Thank you, Bill. Again, good morning, everybody. Great to be together. What an encouragement to be together. Worship God together here at Sunny Slope. And if you're visiting with us, you're a special blessing to us. And we're so thankful you're here. We pray it'll be a great blessing for you as well. And if you have any questions about anything you see us do or hear us say or teach, please ask us because we keep saying we just want to be the church of the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And it's great to have a couple of our service members back with us today who have been deployed to different areas. And so uh, great to see Eric back with us and also Aaron. And uh, welcome back to Sunny Slope. And thank you for uh, your service. Really thank you for that. Great to be together. I've uh, been talking about some pretty pointed lessons over the last few weeks. And I wanted to kind of close out the year by emphasizing how blessed we are as Christians, how blessed we are to be in Christ, how blessed we are to have that relationship with God through him. So how wonderful to be a Christian, how wonderful to be a Christian. When you think about what we think about and what we focus upon in our lives, what we take comfort in and what, what we really look at and say, well, that's a wonderful thing. I hope we continually stop and, and, and focus when something really good happens to us or we receive something that we would say, boy, that was great. I hope we, we focus, and I pray about this myself personally, that God will help me to always recognize those good things are blessings from him and to thank him properly for them. As James said in Romans 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We need to be thankful. We need to recognize our blessings. But people often take great pride in one unique identity in their life, or, or maybe even more than one. And so we think about a family name, and there are people, and we should be proud of our family name. But you know, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, we not only need to be proud of our family name, but we need to live in such a way in our life that our family name will be proud of us. And then there's some people who say, you know, I'm proud to be an American, or I'm a proud, proud to be from this particular country or that particular country. Some will talk about, so thankful to be a part of a member of the state of whatever it is, Nebraska or Illinois or wherever it is in the nation, or a particular city, thankful to be part of this city. Or some people will think about maybe an alma mater, and, and so they think about, you know, I'm glad to be a graduate of this particular school. And some people are so thankful to be a part of a company that they work for, and also a branch of military service where they're serving or have served. The list goes on and on, doesn't it? We can think of all kinds of different unique identities that we are thankful for, or that at least that many people are thankful for. And you know, but I want to talk about today, I want to talk about the greatest of all identities. The greatest of all identities, and none other compares with this one. Now, others can fall within the broad umbrella of this one if we're living our lives faithfully before God, but this is the greatest of all identities. How wonderful it is to be a Christian. So when we're thinking about 
how great it is to be a member of this family, or how great it is to be a, a, a citizen of this country, or how great it is to have come from a particular school, or to live in a particular state or city, or you know, how, how wonderful, how blessed I am to, to be a part of this particular company that takes care of me so well, or takes such pride in being a member of a particular military branch of service, and then the list goes on and on the greatest of all of our identities, and the one that we ought to be thankful for above all others, how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people, they don't have that identity to be thankful for. And so that's where we need to be reaching out with the gospel message of salvation to help people come to God through Jesus Christ and become a part of and, and, and suddenly in their lives recognize this is the greatest identity of all. I've been missing out on this one. How wonderful it is to be a Christian. Well, we think about the greatest of all identities, and that is to be a Christian. And obviously, it, there, there are tremendous blessings that ought to be up front in our mind when we think about that. First, there's the idea of being forgiven of our sins, freed from the slavery of sin. As the Apostle Paul heard from Ananias, that Christian man that our Lord sent to teach Saul of Tarsus. And Saul, you talk about somebody who was absolutely away from Christ. Even though he, he believed with all of his heart in God, he absolutely, exactly that much disbelieved in Jesus until he was confronted by our Lord himself. And he came to realize, what have I been doing? And so Ananias said to him, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. We think about some people who are so heinous in their lifestyle. Can God forgive them? Does God want to forgive? Absolutely. He sent his son to die for all of mankind. All of mankind. Some people think I'm just too bad to be good. Not too long ago, I was speaking to a man on the phone who thought that. I can't be forgiven of what I've done in my life. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for you. Don't try to tie God's hands in your mind. God is all-powerful. Forgiveness of our sins. Look at the way Paul put it in Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. And he's talking about Christians here. And so he's talking about what you came out of that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. But he who died, has died has been freed from sin. We died to that old life of sinfulness, and we became brand new. We were born again as we were baptized into Christ, baptized into him, buried with him in those waters of baptism, raised up with him as we came up out of that water, forgiven, cleansed in Christ, born again, made new, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. And if you go back to the first six verses of that same sixth chapter of Romans, it, it, it lays that out for us. Forgiveness, freed from the slavery and condemnation of sin. And connected with that, obviously, is eternal life and salvation. John 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, believe, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
And Acts 4 and verse 12, speaking of Jesus as our Savior, the Apostle Peter said, nor is there salvation in any other. For no other name, for, no, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And we could add in Romans 8 and verse 1 where the Apostle Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. And think about what we did a few moments ago. Several times we prayed to God. We have that blessing as a Christian. We can tap into the power of God through prayer, confident that he is there, that he is listening, and that he cares, and that he's going to respond. Now, sometimes he responds, no. Sometimes he says, not right now. But then we know he's there. He knows what is best for us, and he's listening to our prayers. And so we pray, even in the most dire of circumstances in our personal lives, we pray to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. God's power. We have that blessing through prayer. And James writes in James 5 and verse 16, again, talking about this is one of those, those lessons or instructions or encouragements to Christians in James, those five chapters is, are filled with one of these after another. And in this particular one, he says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or has great power in its effects. And then and this is one that I'm afraid a whole lot of people take way too lightly, or maybe not even consider it at all. And that is how blessed we are as a Christian to be a part of the body of Christ, which is the church. When you look at the end of Acts chapter 2, now the first major, well, probably the first two-thirds or three-quarters of that chapter is focusing on what happened on Pentecost that day. And... So the apostles were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They began to teach and preach. Peter's words are highlighted, and he's preaching a scathing sermon to those thousands and thousands, and we don't know how many thousands of Jews gathered there that day. And he's talking to them about how you crucified your Savior. You disbelieved in the Son of God. You put him on that cross. And at the same time, Peter says in verse 36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And so they asked, at least many of them asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? Verse 37. And in verse 38, he said, you've got to repent. You didn't believe in Jesus. You've got to believe in him. You walked away from him. You've got to come to him. You did not accept him. You've got to accept him as your savior. You've got to believe with all of your heart and you've got to obey him. So you've got to repent. And then he said, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They needed forgiveness. And you might think about it in perhaps the most profound way. They rejected the savior, the son of God. And they needed to be forgiven. And Peter says, You've got to be baptized for the remission of your sins. But then we see after 
in verse 41 or so where it says about 3,000 were baptized that day. Those who gladly received the words, the teachings of the apostles in that day. And then you see the very early history of the church, perhaps the first few weeks or so, and then how they how they, they remain steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. And then when you come to the very last verse in that ch second chapter of Acts, it says, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Where are the saved? There are people who think they don't need the church. The saved are in the church because the Lord adds them to the church. I don't need the church. Why did God send his son to die on the cross? And central to that purpose was to establish the church through which the gospel is spread to all of humanity and people can learn how to come to God through Jesus for salvation. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved what a blessing to be a part of the body of Christ, which is the church. Colossians 1 and verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And if you go back to Ephesians 1 verses 22 and 23, it puts the words in reverse order. The body of Christ, the church, which is the body of Christ. Oh, we can think of these. We could probably add some other really specific blessings that go with being a Christian, how wonderful it is to be a Christian. But I want to focus on one particular area of blessing in being a Christian. I want to focus on what we mean to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ as those who are true Christians, as those who are truly members of the body of Christ. What do we mean to each other and how blessed we are to be in that relationship? As Christians, God adopted us when we became Christians into his family, adopted us as his children. We became members of his family and therein brothers and sisters in Christ with each other. Now, you talk about a special and unique relationship and identity. Boy, that is one that the world is missing because the world is lost in sin. Now, think about, we are family. We are family. We keep emphasizing that here at, at, at Sunny Slope. And it should be emphasized in every congregation of the Lord's church we're not just fellow worshipers. We're not just, just fellow Christians. We are family, the family of God. And we need to think about ourselves that way. We need to look at each other, look at, our, at each other that way. We need to love each other as family, family, spiritual family, God's family, brothers and sisters in Christ. In Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 15, the apostle Paul wrote, and he's writing this to the church, to the church at Rome. He says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Christians, children of God. Members of the body of Christ, children of God. 
brothers and sisters in Christ. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. And then going on down, chapter 12, verses four and five, for as we have many members in one body. Now, what is the body again? It's the church. But all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ. And get this last part. And members, uh, individually members of one another. You are a member of all the rest of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Here at Sunny Slope and all around the world. You're a member of each other. We are members of each other. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Do you give that the proper emphasis in your mindset and in your heart? We're members of one another. We're the family of God. How blessed we are to be Christians. We are here to edify as the family of God. Here at Sunny Slope, not just in this building, but all, day, all week long when we're out there doing our jobs or wherever. We are the family of God. We can be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, and I'm sure the list could have gone on. But Paul wrote those particular points of our relationship, our familyhood as the body of Christ, as the church, wherever we are, but here at Sunny Slope. Think about all of those particulars, all of those particular uh, instructions and encouragements from, from our God through the writing of the Apostle Paul. We are here to edify, we're here to strengthen, we're here to encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, therefore comfort one another and edify one another just as you are being, uh, just as you are doing. Do you think about your brothers and sisters that way? Do you realize how blessed you are to have them and how blessed they are to have you? And are you being that blessing to them? In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And the, the New International Version puts it a little bit perhaps more succinctly, bad company corrupts good character. But within the church, within the body of Christ, within our spiritual family as the children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have that opportunity to be the exact opposite kind of influence from the bad company that we're talking about or that Paul is talking about in, in that particular verse of scripture. If bad company corrupts good, good, good habits, if bad company corrupts good character, how can we be strengthened and encouraged and grow in good character? and faithfulness by being together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, by cherishing that love and that relationship with each other. How wonderful it is to be a Christian. We should be there to share each other's joy and sorrow. 
1 Corinthians 12 and verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Romans 12 and verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And then James 5 and verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. How blessed we are to be Christians. How wonderful to be identified as the Lord's church, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We can be there for each other, and we need to be there for each other. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be caring about one another, and, and we need to care when somebody's hurting within the body of Christ, within the, the Lord's family here. And we need to rejoice when good things happen to our brothers and sisters in Christ. How wonderful to be a Christian. We should be ready to help with each other's overwhelming needs. In Galatians 6 and verse 2, when it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The Greek word that is translated burdens there is talking about a burden that is overwhelming. That is, is something that is so, so overwhelming that the individual is going to have a hard time dealing with that at that particular time. And so Paul says, as members of the Lord's church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the family, the spiritual family of God, we need to be there for our brothers and sisters when they're facing these overwhelming, bar uh, these overwhelming burdens. We should care about their needs, both spiritual and physical. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 24, Paul wrote, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Philippians 2 and verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also for the interests of others. We should care about each other's needs. We should care and we should be there for each other. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Care. Don't be embarrassed when somebody is, is, is so overwhelmed with grief in a particular situation in their lives. And we find them in tears. And don't be so embarrassed. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And you just walk away. No, put your arm around them. That's all you need to do. Let them know you're there and that you do care. And, and you're ready to help in whatever way that you can that would be appropriate. We should be praying continually for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Even if everything seems to be okay with them, we should still be praying for them. Are we doing that? James 5.16 again, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or has great power in its effects. We need to be praying for one another. And when our brother or sister in Christ is struggling spiritually, we should be there. We should be there to lovingly, patiently help them see the danger of the direction they're going in and help them correct their problem and come to repentance. Help strengthen them. Galatians 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. 
Don't just look for the preacher to straighten people out or help them see their need to come back to faithfulness. Don't just expect the elders. You're supposed to be spiritual too. All of us are. We should be able to look to one another and, 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 and say, look, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about you. Why aren't you here more often? I'm concerned about you. Why do you seem to be becoming more haphazard in your faithfulness and dedication? I'm praying for you. I'm literally praying for you. Can I help you? Let me, let's talk. Let's have coffee. Let's have lunch. Whatever it might be. We need to be there for one another. Love can help correct a misdirection, can help correct and strengthen unfaithfulness to become faithful again and to become stronger in faithfulness. Again, we're family. We care about one another. How wonderful it is to have that relationship with each other in Christ. Not just our relationship with our Lord and Savior, but our relationship with each other through our Lord and Savior and because of our Lord and Savior. Maybe a brother or sister is simply struggling with spiritual immaturity. And in the 14th chapter of Romans, Paul deals with that particular reality. But look at verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. But maybe we can, again, in a, in a sense, more figurative sense, put our arm around somebody who's struggling spiritually within our spiritual body, our spiritual family, the Lord's church, and, and, and help them see and help them kind of come back. Heard about a, an elder one time, and he was walking up to the church building in that particular congregation. I believe they had a bus ministry, and there was a new Christian brother who was working on the bus. Apparently, he had mechanical abilities. He saw him doing something that, that he realized was not what he should be doing. But he didn't chew him out. He said, let's go inside and talk. And he lovingly and patiently helped the brother see that what he was doing was not what he should be doing as a Christian. Sometimes we look down, at, we look down our noses at somebody and we just point fingers, but we never go to that person and, and say, listen, I'm concerned. Can we talk? But we just kind of write them off from a distance. That's not what we ought to be doing. We need to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be God's family. And so maybe somebody, they simply need some help to come to greater maturity spiritually because they're struggling with immaturity. Maybe they're caught up in some sin, though, that they need to be led out of and back to faithfulness from. And you may help them along that line, but lovingly and patiently and as family again. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16. If anyone sees a brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray for that. Go back to James 5 and verses 19 and 20. Brethren, if, if anyone among you, 
He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way saves or will save a soul from death. We're talking about eternal condemnation and cover a multitude of sins. How wonderful it is to have have spiritual brothers and sisters who care about us because we're Christians, because we are a part of the Lord's family. And we should continually, continually be together with our brothers and sisters as we come together to worship God and study his word as often as we possibly can, because in doing so, we encourage each other in our faithfulness and dedication and spiritual growth. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, being together as the church comes together to worship and study God's word, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Togetherness, togetherness, that builds closeness. And it also encourages and it also strengthens and it also helps being together how wonderful to be a Christian how wonderful to be a part of God's spiritual family to be a member of the body of Christ to have brothers and sisters in Christ who love me and care about me and pray for me We need to be praying for each other all the time, not just when we see somebody's just had surgery, but we need to be praying for each other all the time. The church was designed by God to be one of our most important support systems. And I'm afraid that too often we take that rather casually and maybe carelessly. We don't realize what a support system the church is supposed to be for us and for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to understand our brothers and sisters in Christ need us and we need our brothers and sisters in Christ. I found myself one time many, many years ago after having had emergency major surgery and I found myself basically strapped to a bed in two or three different directions with IVs and and you know a pump wrapped around my legs and and I'd been cut open and I like I do not like to not be in control of myself and I laid there one day realizing If this place catches fire, I'm dead because I cannot get out of here in a a, a straightforward fashion. I realized I was not in control, totally in control of myself at that time. But you see, that's just a physical illustration. You, whether you realize it or not, You need your brothers and sisters in Christ. You really need them. Don't think you're independent to the point that you don't need your brothers and sisters. And I'm not talking about one or two that you really feel close to. I'm talking about all of them, all of us. And we need 
you. We need each other. What a blessing again to have each other in our special relationship as brothers and sisters in God's family. I've said many times, I don't understand how people who do not have God actively in their lives, I don't know how they get through life. Where do they turn? What do they do? What's their focus? But we have each other. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ as members of the Lord's church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, in God's family. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Oh, truly, without, without question how blessed we are, how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Let us never go to bed at night without realizing this greatest of all identities far surpasses all the others, as blessed as some of those might be. Being a Christian, that identity far surpasses all others. If you're not a Christian yet, if you need to be baptized into Christ, we're here to help you with that. We're here to study with you to help you understand more fully how that happens, if that's what you need. And we're here to pray with you if you need special prayers for a particular situation in your life. Or maybe if you're just saying, you know, I don't really know what the specific thing is, but I know, I know I'm struggling here. And, and, and I need my brothers and sisters to be praying for me. If you'll step forward and let us know, we'll pray with you and for you. Or talk with us privately. And we'll do that then. How blessed we are. How blessed we are. How wonderful it is. To be a Christian. Let's always hold that up front in our hearts. If you need to come, come right now as we stand together and sing.